My name is James Crosby. I'm studying international studies. Second year. We're going to hear from the Bible now. So I think we'll go to our little slips. We're reading Romans 1, 1 to 7. Let's do it. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be the saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So you guys, uh, welcome, let me add my welcome to everyone here for this year, uh, and I know by the by the nature of the way we've come into this room, with, all, we're all, with the room sort of tilting in this direction. <laughs> uh, not that you guys over here aren't important, uh, have you? But uh, welcome, everybody. Forgive me if I end up speaking like this to the, to the room. Welcome to uni. Uh, welcome to the uni Bible Talks. Today my name is Rob, and I'll be speaking from this passage of Romans in a moment. But do you ever worry sometimes that you're getting bad advice, or at least mixed messages. Perhaps you are thinking about how to get to uni today. Perhaps this is even your very first day of coming to uni for classes, and you've never come here before, if you like, in anger when everybody is coming. And you're thinking about, where do I get a parking space? And one of your friends has said to you, don't worry. Just drive to uni, there's heaps of parking spaces. <laughs> I was there in January and there was heaps of parking. Just drive. And I can tell that that was none of you because it's now 12.30 and you're not driving around still looking for a parking spot. You're here. You've made it. What about bad advice or mixed messages about bigger things or more global things like diet? what you should eat. Welcome if you're doing dietetics uh, or nutrition. I want you to put your hand up. This could be a little bit uncomfortable for you guys for a moment. This is like a trigger warning. Uh, take care. Um, diet. Have you ever had mixed messages about diet? Do you remember ever seeing this one on YouTube? This was a YouTube clip which was set in 1969 with the time travel dietitian and features this guy here who's been served eggs for at steak and on toast for breakfast. And of course the time travel dietitian arrives at breakfast and comes to the guy and says, no, no, don't eat the eggs. I've come from the future. Eggs are bad, don't eat the eggs. And then he disappears. And flash, in a moment, back again. No, no, no. It's a, it's okay to eat the eggs, just don't eat the yolk. You can eat the white, just not the yolk. And boom, he's gone. And he comes back again a minute later and says, no, don't eat the steak. It's the steak. You can't eat the steak. 
It's full of cholesterol, it's full of saturated fat, you can't eat the steak. Gone. It comes back again. Text of the bread. Don't touch the bread. Eat everything else. It's not the don't eat the bread. And then finally he comes back deflated and he says, actually, you can eat it all. It's all got to do with genetics. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it, so just eat up. <laughs> At which point the guy says, oh, can I use the time machine? I'll be back in 10 minutes. Helps to fix up his genetics. Mixed messages. We've been told so many conflicting things over the years. With hard research done on dietetics and nutrition, and yet it seems to change so often. What are we supposed to believe? And what about bigger, more important things than what we should eat? Sorry, nutritionists and dietetics. Just eat anything. No, no, they'll tell us differently. What about bigger things like how to do relationships? Or things like how do we fix climate change? Or how do we how do we work out what things we purchase and spend our money on and the creating of waste, unnecessary waste? What are we supposed to believe? The messages can be so mixed. Well, amongst the changing messages of our world, there is a clear, unchanging message that comes from God. A clear, unchanging message that comes from God through in what we're looking at over these next few weeks, God's messenger, Paul, in the book of Romans. Paul speaks and outlays a clear, unchanging message. Paul, as he writes Romans, he saturates his writing with the Old Testament scriptures, the Old Testament word of God. He brings together the whole Bible and the threads of understanding that God has revealed across the whole Bible together, thousands of years of God speaking through the prophets is condensed together and brought together by Paul in these 16 chapters that we have as the book of Romans. One consistent message. The scope of Romans, the whole book, is enormous. It's huge. Its vision is amazing. And yet Paul doesn't deflect from dealing with the difficult detail the little nitty-gritty things, and argues out that detail. How is it that a sinner can be called a saint by God, and God can still be righteous, a good God? How can that be? Paul works through that. will be coming up in weeks to come. It's probably the most read book of the Bible in history. Uh, you may not have ever heard of people such as Augustine, Augustine has become a massive figure in the church. In the 4th century, he moved out of home to go to uni and lived a promiscuous and debaucherous lifestyle as a uni student. And yet, he read Romans and was convicted to turn and follow God. Martin Luther, who you may have heard, was a monk in the Roman Catholic Church. And he was actually lecturing on Psalms. And as he was lecturing on Psalms, he had to deal with Romans. And in reading Romans, he actually was converted to give his life to following Jesus. More on that next week. 
But this sustained message that's gone from Bible times through to the 4th century, through to the 15th, 16th century, through to us, is a consistent message that has not changed that we discover here in this great book of Romans. And Paul, in this book, outlines this clear, consistent message from God that he preaches, which he calls the gospel of God. And he points out, first of all, that it's not a new message from God. Now, a gospel just means a uh, means news, or perhaps momentous news, earth-shattering news. It's not news in the sense of the 24-7 news cycle where just like new items of news come through, <coughs> or your news feed on Facebook where you just flick and it's just new things, or maybe it's just old things. For mine, it's just like cats. <laughs> Engagement, cats. <laughs> Dog, married now, cats. <laughs> Baby, cats. No, it's not that sort of news. It's a one consistent message that has not changed. Earth-shattering news. And it's the first critical plank in Paul's argument that this is momentous news, sure, but it's not new. He's, got, he's not changed tact. It's been promised beforehand. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, apart from the set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It's been an unchanging message from thousands of years before Jesus, culminating in Jesus and then remaining unchanged since then. You can see it in books such as Genesis 49.10, Psalm 2, 2 Samuel 7. I'll just let you write them down if you like. We'll come back to some of these in weeks to come. But testimony from the very beginning, this message has not changed. Now don't misunderstand Paul's argument here, or what I'm saying. It's not true because it's old and unchanged. It doesn't make anything true. It's old and unchanged because it's true. It fits in with reality that God has set down and doesn't need to change. It's unchanged because it's God's message about his plans for the world from the beginning. And what's unchanged? This momentous message. It's verse 3. Concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. You get all that? That's pretty dense. The core of the message that Paul says is God's gospel is that the man Jesus is the son of God. The man Jesus is the son of God with two aspects to it. According to the flesh, he's descended from David and according to the spirit, he's declared to be the son of God in power through his resurrection from the dead. Now, for you guys who are followers of Jesus here, uh, you may know the gospel. You may know how to explain the gospel to somebody who doesn't know it. Had it ever occurred to you to explain the gospel to anyone in these terms? To sit down with someone and say, let me tell you what I believe, core to, core to my being, what I believe that Jesus was descended from David. 
the person says, wow, I was descended from Trevor. Um, <laughs> what's, what's that all about? Jesus was descended from David and he was resurrected from the dead and appointed to be the son of God. Has anyone said that to anyone in a gospel presentation? I hear I see shakes of head. It doesn't. What is it about this that makes it the core message that God has given to the world, given to us? Well, how is it that Jesus, the Son of God, is momentous news? Well, rather than me just do all the work for you, uh, as we do from time to time here, actually, most weeks, I get you guys to uh, chat and think about these things together uh, because we don't believe in uh, gurus and popes and things that are just, you know, believe this. You can work it out yourselves together. Um, why do you think it's momentous news that Jesus is the Son of God? And yet you might have no idea. That's okay. That person next to you probably doesn't either. But you can have a fruitful conversation. I'll give you 30 seconds with each other. I think it's pretty important if Jesus is the Son of God, that obviously means the Father. Son of God, how is this momentous? Uh, if it's true, it sounds at least like he's probably an impressive guy for someone to be the Son of God, whatever that means, but to have that title, to have that uh, put to them as being called the Son of God, he'd have to be an impressive guy. Uh, also, resurrection from the dead is not bad. You can pull that off. That's pretty good. Impressive guy who's Fairly powerful. It's pretty momentous for him. Um, I'm not sure how it's momentous for the rest of the world, though. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't mind at the moment being able to get a parking spot closer to uni. That'd be momentous news for me. <laughs> uh, resurrection from the dead, good for him. Son of God, yep, that's great. But what's that got to do with me? Or any of us? It comes from what it means to be the Son of God. Most Christians get this wrong at this point. Uh, it's certainly not a statement about Jesus' genetics. Not too many people uh, think that as though Jesus, although some do, uh, but it's heretical, uh, that Jesus is somehow biologically come from God. His DNA can be traced back to God. It's not that. 
It's a title. It's a title that is rich with expectation in the Bible. And it's not alone used of Jesus. The first son of God is Adam. Luke 3, 38. You can see it there. Adam is called the son of God. I haven't got it there with on the screen, but Israel as a nation is also called God's son. David, who Jesus was descended from, who was the king over God's people Israel in about 1000 BC, he is called the son of God. And you can see it there in Psalm 2 and verse 7, where he becomes the son of God. It's a title. It's a title about ruling and representing. So Adam, as the first son of God, is set in place when God creates the world to rule the earth and subdue it. With Eve, his wife, together they are to rule the earth and subdue it. And they are in the image of God as representatives of God. They are like God. Thousand years, following Adam, or thereabouts, or probably actually more, David is declared to be the son of God, set in place, according to Psalm 2, to rule over the nations of the earth and to be the king who represents the people that he leads. To be the son of God is to rule and to represent as God's appointed one. It's a title. But see, David had a problem, as did Adam have a problem. There's probably lots of problems, which we don't even know about. One big one that we know about is they died. They both died. Doesn't take a genius to know that a ruler who dies is not much of a good ruler once they die. <laughs> no matter how good they were when they were alive. <coughs> to have somebody represent you, no matter how good they are, it's no good if they're dead. Don't vote for anyone in this upcoming election who is dead. <laughs> I won't say if they'll do a better job or not, but uh, <laughs> just don't vote for them. In fact, you can't. The problem is sin and death. When the man Jesus comes, however, and he's put to death unjustly, God raises him from the dead to an indestructible life, now installed as ruler forever over all nations and representative of humanity and of God. For Jesus, resurrected, remains a human and rules the world as a human, though he is also God. The momentous news is not that Jesus is God, though that is true. It's not that Jesus' resurrection proves that he's God. It's that his resurrection from the dead to never die installs, his, installs him as king in power as a man to rule the world. Like Adam should have from the very beginning but failed. Like David could have perhaps but died as well. Jesus is now installed as God's forever king never to die, never to have that rule taken away. So is Paul saying that 
there's a guy, Jesus, somewhere, like invisible to us, who is ruling over the world in some invisible throne room, like right now. Oh yes, that's exactly what he's saying. Well, invisible to our eyes, but not invisible to our world. And yes, it's a momentous message because it changes everything and affects everyone if it's true. In 1962, John F. Kennedy, who was President of the United States, spoke a message, momentous news. What did he say? He spoke, he was speaking to, uh, I think it was a university. He said these words, February 1962, we choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things that he's already talked about, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that goal will serve to organise and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one we are willing to accept, one we are willing, unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. 1962. It was a message that stirred the nation of America. It stirred opposition. Many throughout the politics said, it's dangerous to divert money away from <coughs> military development and spending to spend it on sending a man to the moon. It stirred imagination and innovation. It put a train in motion and the destination would not be seen for another 10 years until the 20th of July, 1969, but with momentous implications for the US and the world. It shaped the nation. It was just a message. It was just a speech, but it changed and developed the nation in a way that it wouldn't have changed and developed if that speech had never been made. It was momentous news. Whether you were for it or against it, it caused to stir, it caused action. God's announced Jesus as the ruler and representative for humans, and it changes everything. If he does rule, then do you get on board with his rule and what God is doing in the world? Which we'll come to in a moment. Or do you say, no, that's dangerous. We've got to use, I've got to use my resources elsewhere. You might think, oh, I'm not on board because, well, <laughs> if he is the ruler, he's not doing a very good job of it. What about climate change? What about church leadership, failings and wickedness? What about political instability? What about those things? Is he in control of them? Well, Paul goes on to answer some of those things in detail later on in this chapter, and we will come back to them in coming weeks. But he gives the core answer to the question straight up. If Jesus is ruling the world now, then how do you see it? Where does it come through? Well, it comes through in Paul the Apostle and his announcement. Verse 5, Paul says, Through him, through Jesus, we've received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. 
to the cash value of Paul's message of the global rule of Jesus is the obedience of faith among the nations. <coughs> that is, people living in obedience to Jesus that comes from faith. Faith is trust, to depend, to rely upon, to rely upon Jesus as the ruler, to trust him that his rule is right, and have that issue forth in obedience, in a life transformed. It's not the obedience of fear, that you fear this ruler and what he will do to you. It's the obedience of faith, of trust. It's not the obedience of just doing what I was brought up to do, or just to believe what I was brought up to believe. It's the obedience of faith that comes from trusting him, irrespective of how you've been brought up. It's the obedience of faith, not the obedience of what's convenient for me at the moment. I, I like those parts of what Jesus says, and I can think I can do them, and I'm willing to do them. It's not the obedience of convenience. It's the obedience of faith, of full trust that he knows what's best for this world. He knows what's best for me. And I will give myself to him. As God's global ruler, human representing me, can he be trusted? Is he trustworthy? Well, you'll have to stay with us. If you're unsure of that, you'll have to stay with us over these coming weeks. But it's a consistent and unchanged message from God from the beginning. And it's one that is global in reach. It's among all the nations. Because Jesus has been installed as ruler over all the nations for all people. As Paul says in verse 5, for the sake of his name among all nations. And we'll come back to looking at that again next week as well. But we've seen this message at work even here on our campus in this last week. Last week we met many people from many nations even from Australia, even from places like Dapto, even from places <laughs> like Campbelltown, and we, from all over the world, we met people. And we had a great time, if you were amongst us and doing that with us, it was a fantastic time. As we walked up to people and we said to people, do you believe in God? Hang on, I've got a photo here for you, you can, if you weren't with us. There's Ethan, he's got, he's got the board. Does God exist? With various possible answers that people put their, their dots to. There were lots of yeses and noes as we talked with people and asked people this question. From the noes, there were some embarrassing answers for us as people said they did not believe in God because of various things. Thankfully, on that board, there's not too many bad experiences with Christians. But there were still many. And it was embarrassing to see. And talking with people, it's rather embarrassing to be a representative of Jesus when people have misunderstood the message, or have no idea about the message, or have been given the wrong message of Jesus. We have not done well 
all the time with this. And the nose showed that up. But it was also surprising to see that there were 81 people of the 260 that we met who ticked the box on our sign-up sheet, which you'll probably see in a moment, to say that they weren't actually Christians but were willing to find out and wanted to find out more. And so even last week, the door was open for a few people, for 81 people, that's a, a great number, who were saying, I don't actually follow Jesus as Lord, but I want to find out more. And the door is opened. Perhaps you were one of them and you'll get that. Great to have you along. Perhaps you've come along today and you're not, a, you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you are just wanting to find out more. That is fantastic. You're exactly the people we want to have here in the room. Feel free to invite your friends along as well. We'll always make the message of Jesus in the Bible as easy to understand as possible here at these Bible talks. But perhaps you are one of them who ticks that box I'm not Christian, but I'd like to find out more. Well, God has made himself known as the man Jesus. Alive now and ruling as a human, as God intended for humanity. We want to help you, along with the 80 or so, work out whether this is true or not. If it's true, this momentous news, it changes everything. If it's not true, well, don't worry about it. Walk away and get on with life. But you're not going to hear it anywhere else. You're not going to hear it in a lecture. You're not going to hear the. You're not going to sit down and anyone's going to read the Bible with you in a lecture. You're not going to hear it on free-to-air TV. You're not going to hear it on Netflix, most likely. There is nowhere really in the world that you're just going to fall <coughs> into just reading the Bible. And we want to give you the opportunity as an adult. To actually read the Bible for yourself. Not with any gurus, not with somebody who tells you, uh, you know, what you have to believe and what you have to do, but for you to work it out, to see whether Jesus is who he claims to be, the ruler that God has set up over this world. If you're willing to do that and want to do that, can I commend you this slip here, which you've already filled out, haven't you, uh, we were told. I would like to read the Bible with someone from Uni Bible Group. I would like to tick that. And we would love to, along with the other 80, uh, do that with you. And give us some way of contacting you. It would be good. If you actually do come across somebody who's not here, um, then you can actually also take them to unibiblegroup.org slash join. And you'll see them that form there and you can even pick this as long as you used last week I'm not a Christian but I'd like to know more and you can do that you can get other people to do that as well friends if Jesus is the ruler that God has appointed him to be it changes everything and you need to act now I'm going to leave us in prayer that God might continue to give us understanding of Jesus as the Lord, we thank you for your word, your sustained, clear message throughout all of history that you have a king 
who rules over all people, over all nations. And thank you that you've installed Jesus as that king, your son who rules and represents for us. Help those of us who are still investigating Jesus to come to a clear understanding of who he is. And for all of us, Lord, to live in the light of Jesus as King, living out the obedience of faith to him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue in prayer briefly, and James is going to come and lead us. James, I'm a second year mechatronic engineering student, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. So, prayer is just talking to God, and if you agree with what we say, uh, we say Amen at the end. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the new year, and for all the things that it brings. We thank you for university, and for the opportunity that we have to learn about the world, its people, and learn new skills in this place. Thanks for the holiday over the summer, and the opportunity to rest and work. And thanks, Father, for bringing us back together again. Lord, we pray for any first years among us today. We thank you for them and that they've come along to the uni Bible talks. Please come any anxieties they may have about starting uni or starting a new course in uni. And please help them to feel welcome here at uni Bible Group. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for giving us eternal life through him by your mighty grace. We are sorry, Lord, for rebelling against you and rejecting you as our God and King. We're sorry for thinking that we can be the boss of ourselves. Please forgive us. Thank you that through Jesus we can be forgiven and receive eternal life. Please help us to live firmly for him until he returns. Help us to live this new year with our hearts and minds set on Jesus. Father God, we pray for your global mission. We thank you that you are the God of all nations and that you want everyone to turn back to you. Please be with all those who have left their homes to preach your good news to people who have never heard it before. We pray, we pray particularly for graduates of UOW and your uni Bible group who seek to proclaim your gospel overseas. Please be with them, protect and strengthen them in their hardships and guide them in their decisions. And Lord, we ask that you will be preparing some of us here today to spread your gospel overseas in this way. Lord, we pray for the Uni Bible Group equivalent at Deakin University in Victoria. We pray that they will be able to follow up all the first years and new people they met during a week. We pray that they will be able to connect them with Jesus. And finally, Lord, we pray for Onboard coming up. Thanks for this great camp. And we pray that his people will come along and it will be a good weekend away, dedicated to you and to building Christ-centred friendships. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.